is they made us fall in love with Scott McCall and Stas Delinsky and Allison Argent and and Lydia and even Jackson. By the time Jackson becomes a werewolf and he sheds the canama, he's gone through so much. Like we're we're right there with him, right? We care about these people. everyone this is alex and this is em welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content become a show producer on patreon and get access to after the episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the back half of MTV's hit sci-fi supernatural teen drama, Teen Wolf. This series, loosely based on the 1985 sci-fi supernatural comedy of the same name, follows the momentous life change that occurs for Scott McCall after he's bitten by a werewolf and has to adapt to becoming both predator and prey. Teen Wolf premiered almost a decade ago in an era of 24-hour social media news cycles, yet still remains a topic of pop culture conversation to this day. So what made this series so captivating? Stay tuned. everyone if you haven't listened into our episode from last week go ahead and do that now we discussed the first three seasons of teen wolf and let's get into some details to refresh your memory if you have already listened teen wolf is a teen drama horror comedy drama supernatural action and romance based on the teen wolf screenplay of the 1985 movie written by Jeff Loeb and Matthew Wiseman. It was developed for television by Jeff Davis and it aired from June 5th, 2011 until September 24th, 2017 on MTV for a total of six seasons and 100 episodes total. The series stars Tyler Posey, also known as Tyler Posey Garcia, as Scott McCall. Um, Dylan O'Brien as Stas Stilinski, his best friend. Tyler Hawkland as Derek Hale. Holland Roden as Lydia Martin. Lyndon Ashby as Sheriff Noah Stilinski, Styles' dad. J.R. Boone as Chris Argent, Allison's dad, who is also a werewolf hunter. Ian Bowen as Peter Hale, Derek's uncle, who is an alpha. Shelley Hennig as Malia Tate, Peter's daughter. Arden Cho as Kira Yukimura. 
um, Scott's second love interest, Daniel Sharman as Isaac Leahy, and Seth Gilliam as Dr. Deaton, Scott's boss and town veterinarian. These are just some of our major players of seasons four through six. So let's jump into those seasons. Season four, thankfully, we didn't have to deal with a split season. It was just 12 episodes. Um, so I think they tried to go back to that um, that winning formula of seasons one and two. We just right. <laughs> I was trying I was trying to I noticed that and I was trying to remember is this like when the writers strike happened maybe that's why the season got short mm, small blessings um <laughs> that's a silver lining you guys cuz <laughs> these these longer seasons and teen wolf don't go together they just don't and as much as I don't like season 4 it is exponentially better than seasons 5 and 6 so <laughs> Let's talk about season four really quickly, because I feel like the show had already started to derail around season three, and it was really hard to get it back on track after that. Season four had 12 episodes. Season three ended with both with Erica, Boyd, Aiden, and Allison all dying last season, season three. So we start off this one with a lot of people. We start off the season with a lot of Scott's friends dead. And Scott and his friends are off to Mexico to look for a werewolf hunter clan known as the Calaveras, who are currently hunting Derek. We also learn that Kate, um, Allison's aunt who was killed by Peter and had her throat slashed, um, didn't fully die. Um, Kate's alive, y'all. She, girl, yep, spoiler alert. She's alive. Um, and she is a werewolf with zero self-control of when and how she shifts. Kind of like how she was a werewolf hunter with zero self-control. But um, it is what it is. <laughs> we also learned that um, Nagual, a.k.a. where jaguars are a thing. First of all, that doesn't even roll off the tongue. <laughs> Y'all could have called them were cats. And it would have been fine. Where jaguars is, is not an easy word to say. And they also, what they don't find is not, what they find is not Derek, but a regressed teenage version of Derek. And we learned some very dark family secrets involving AKA, Peter and Derek. AKA mm -hmm. young Derek spelled Y-U-N-G. Uh, yeah, that's uh, so unnecessary, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what? what he is in my notes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my god, I love you. Um, we also learned that Peter has a daughter, a love child named Malia. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, he looks like the type to who would have a love child, though. That that's the one plot point that actually makes sense. You know what? And when it happened, when I found that out, I was like, "What woman would do that to herself?" Like, <laughs> but then I was like, mm, "I see it." Peter has a lot of self-control. Both he and Derek were born wolves. So he really don't have to tell you unless he wants to, you to know. Right. That's true. <laughs> like, all you see is a very well-dressed, handsome, deep-voiced <laughs> dude. Right. All you trying to think, you're just thinking about hitting it. You're not necessarily like, do you, you know, murder people and change into a wolf on the full moon? You know, right. that's not right. really... Right, and he didn't even go full murderous until Kate burned his family members. Right. Right. So he was just like a regular-ass person trying to do regular person things. Um, this season is also, it's supposed to be a huge turning point in Scott's life. Scott had become what they call 
a true alpha in the last season, right? Um, right. Um, by just the way that he took care of the, his ragtag pack and his friends. And he promised himself from day one, season one, that he would never give lycanthropy to anybody, even if he became an alpha. And um, this season, he ends up having to do that in order to save this new student uh, who's on the lacrosse team, Liam. Um, he shifts and bites Liam on the arm in order to save him from falling off a roof. And during this bite, Liam now has lycanthropy. He becomes a werewolf. So it was an accident. He was trying to like literally save this kid's life. But, you know, the best of intentions, um, Scott's better nature took over um, where, and, and, and th that's where this promise failed because he really could have let Liam just fall off the roof, use all of his human strength to save the kid. And if that didn't work, oh, well, you're dead. <laughs> but mm. Scott McCall's not going to let somebody die if he can, if he can save them. Right. That's just not really what he does. Right. So Liam becomes a werewolf. So he has, this is the first member of the pack that he has created, right? Everybody else is created by Derek. Right. Um, and uh, we meet another banshee um, named Meredith. So Leah gets, um, what am I saying, Leah? Lydia gets to learn from the wisdom of someone who's much more experienced with this life than she is. And um, when Chris, um, Allison's dad, finds out that his sister is still alive, he returns to Beacon Hills to hunt down Kate. Now that is, the whole Kate being alive, I think is a really, really really interesting plot point. I just think it's two seasons too late. Yeah. She died in season, she died in like what? Season one, right? Yeah. Yeah, she died in season one. Peter killed her in season one. So what What has she been doing for the last um, two school semesters? Right, and her her whole thing of coming back, when she comes back, she goes... Because, you know, once again, eventually Chris, Chris Argent has to come and, and you know, fix her or, or take her down or take responsibility for her. She's like, I came back because they killed Allison. And he goes, that's not even what happened to Kate. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'm just like, what's, why is she here? Like... Right. I mean, I, I, Allison was killed in season three, so it's a good lie, but we know she's lying. Right. And I, I under, and it's a good instinct because I'm a, because I've said this, you know, when new people start getting introduced, that's when, you know, people are like, that's when, you know, we're failing, we're, we're faltering or we're, we're treading water. So I'm always about bringing characters that we've seen before to come in and, and reutilize them in new ways because that mm -hmm. only, all that's going to do is help to deepen the narrative. But it, in this case, it, it didn't, at least for me personally, I don't think it worked. It, yeah. And I guess, you know, again, I've, I've, I'm a firm believer of the reason it didn't work was because it was too late. The, it wouldn't have been a bad thing to bring Kate back in season four if she'd never been killed and never turned into a werewolf. If she'd been somehow just excommunicated by her family, the hunters, for breaking their rules, that would have made a lot more sense. She comes back as herself, who's made a lot of growth after being kicked out of her family. I could buy that. But if you've been a werewolf this entire time, and she's been a werewolf this entire time, with no self-control, 
of when and how you shift this entire time. This shouldn't have been the first time that we've seen or heard of her. Exactly. There would have been chatter about, of like this, you know, werewolf that's just, you know, around going around in these different regions and really just like murdering everyone, you know? There would have right. been something to, to that effect. Because I want you guys to think about this. They got wind, the Arjun family and um, whatever family his wife belongs to before she got married. They All those hunters got wind that there was werewolf activity in Beacon Hills. But Derek's mom was born a wolf. He was born a wolf. His, his uncle Peter was born a wolf. And there were humans in their family. And they all had great control, but you learned about these wolves anyway and managed to hunt them down there. How do we have this werewolf who's completely out of control, but no one's talking about her? Right. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You've now punched numerous holes in your own plot line. Um, and the thing is, Kate was much more interesting as a human because I feel like she was much more, much more savage, much more of an animal in her human form. Kate, the werewolf, forces us to kind of have some sympathy for her because like, oh, I have no self-control, blah, blah, blah. But like, she's still a horrible person. Right. I will say that like, so in season four going onward, all the sort of, I think, poetic or, or metaphoric or big thematic ideas that I think this show attempted to touch on or seemed like it was thinking about in some sense completely go out the window. Right. The, those do not exist anymore. So it's in that sense, like of which, which I think of what, at least to me, what you're getting at of, Oh, this idea, which is what happened with her character being human of who was the real monster. It, it's just like, it's done. It's finished. <laughs> yeah, they're not seeking metaphors anymore. They're being they're being very very blunt and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> like she's a literal monster now. Yeah, so all of these things happen in season four, and like I said, season four was a real good relaxing return to pace. Plot holes aside, it was easier to watch than season three. Yeah. Yeah, although I will, although season four for me was still just like, oh wow, this is so much, but it it was good in that like there was just one big mystery and that's all I really had to focus on, um, and that big sort of mystery was like who like the benefactor and then like this death list thing, right? So the death list I thought was a really cool idea. I love pretty much any time this show goes the murder mystery route. Right? Anytime this show has like a big, and I mean, this was our winning formula season one. You have a very immediate antagonist that you're aware of, and then you have like a mystery antagonist that we need to figure out. That's a really great formula for this show. It is. <laughs> it's a great formula. Um, it worked in season one, it worked in season two. Y'all gotta just stick with what works. There's so much good and so much great that happened in season four. Although the only thing that didn't make sense to me, I think in season four, but that's because I think I missed a bit of like the beginning of season four was like the whole berserker thing. But for the most part, season four was really watchable to me. Season four in the berserkers. Um, yeah, that was really weird. And again, you can't just be throwing in ideas and concepts just to throw them out there. The berserkers don't play a huge role for the duration of season four. 
I think the show is just trying to fill their universe with as many supernatural entities as possible. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, oh, the another thing about season four is that that really stood out to me was the, that wacky sort of like comedic teen element that had been present throughout the first three seasons is now completely gone in season four. I I think before you could sort of classify it as like a supernatural like dramedy. Now it's just like a horror. Like it's a straight up like supernatural horror show. Right. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, hell, even Buffy eventually went that route, right? And it was around the time that either Buffy died or Willow went dark. And we got a dark styles. And again, I'm not mad at it. I just think it was very, very rushed. A lot of things were packed in there. We couldn't even take take in the full breath of what was happening to this main character, the central character, because there were so many people coming and going. So many people were introduced and killed, and like it's it was a lot. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, great writing, but horrible pacing. Right, right. Oh, Megan Tandy shows up in season four, and I was really excited to see her. I had forgotten that she was on this show. Same. Um, and I've forgotten great. as well. <laughs> Completely forgotten. And it was great to see her and her cute little romance with 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 Derek. That happened. Right. That felt kind of we, unexpected. We also learned, I believe it was this season anyway, one of the the issues between Peter and Derek. Now, this was an issue that was never discussed in season one or two. And I feel like it should have been because knowing this information, it makes Peter, it makes Derek trusting Peter initially make even less sense. Derek had a great love interest back when he was in high school. And Peter ultimately manipulated him into believing that this girl would leave him if she knew he was a wolf and that the only chance for them to be together is if he turned her. Now, what we know about the bite is that it either will turn you or it will kill you with outlying exceptions like Lydia. He bit this girl and he ended up killing her. And then Peter basically gaslit him into thinking that the whole bite her to be together thing was his idea the entire time. So, like, Peter has had, like, Peter has had evil tendencies long before he became a serial killer. Right. (laughs) Which is interesting information to have. And I feel like it's information that should have been thrown somewhere around season two, you know, after Derek killed Peter and became the alpha. Mm -hmm. And maybe reflecting back on their relationship. Because after he found out that Peter is the one who killed his sister and that Peter, it hadn't been an accident. He had him in out of control. Um, he didn't hesitate to to kill Peter. I feel like that would have made greater sense if there had been a pattern of lies and betrayal on Peter's part. And clearly there were. We just didn't know about him. <laughs> yeah, they, the ball is dropped. That's the point. Yeah. For as much as this this season, season four, I think gets right in terms of, I think, getting back to a solid mystery to take us through the season. A lot of these nuances with the interpersonal relationships between characters really falters, at least for me. Like, I felt like it really, really faltered. Yeah, the only people I feel like that were building any type of relationship were Scott and Liam and Liam and his love interest. Everybody else right. felt very stagnant to me. <laughs> yes. No, yes, exactly. Um, I agree. It, it felt honestly like Liam was 
like Liam had become a secondary protagonist because his story was just moving along so much better than everyone else's. So I want to talk very briefly about the importance of a series Bible. This is a concept that I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of until I started speaking with Alex and, you know, she writes, she writes for television, she writes pilots. And I found out what a series Bible was, um, how it's just like a really enormous outline essentially, but it's who your characters are, where your series is and where you want it to go. And I feel like maybe Teen Wolf didn't have one. I started feeling that around season three. But then when they threw things in too little too late or things that retroactively assassinated the the foundation of seasons one and two, I really felt that. I we know we have shows that are very, very involved, but still manage to stay on course and stay on path and make it feel like every single season is planned well in advance. Shows like The Shield and Sons of Anarchy, for example, right? right. Everything feels very planned, very intentional from season to season. And then there are shows where everything doesn't feel planned or intentional, but they're very much aware of the universe that has been created and they don't deviate from it, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Y'all just need to plan better. You know, they what is it? Um, cooks always say, like, an ounce of planning will save you, like, a pound of cleanup or do-over. Um, right. <laughs> spend, a little, spend a little more time planning your shit out. That's all I have to say. Because <laughs> clearly the, you can write. You just can't plan. Plan just, better. Like I said, season four for me was, like, really um, super cool. The big sort of um, mystery or, like like we said, mystery of the season is who is this benefactor that is killing people <clears throat> and uh, producing this death list. And we, because apparently, so there's like a death list and everyone's, everyone in our core cast is somehow ending up on it and are get and they're getting assassinated. So the point is like, we've got to stop the death list. Um, mm-hmm. And there is a benefactor who is the person who is, arbiting or like in charge of keeping this death list running and it is uh basically this little biracial girl that's gone to their school the whole time (laughs) um that was so much that was so much (laughs) that was so much also, like, really quick on, on on Scott's dad, the one ball I feel they dropped is that his dad has, like, a really important job with the FBI, right? Yeah. But, like, throughout seasons one and two, their mom and Scott are always talking about finances. Like, is your dad a, a, a well-to-do deadbeat like Christopher? Like, what's happening here? They didn't think it through. Because <laughs> I thought his dad didn't—I thought his dad just didn't have no money. Um, or was like, or was just like, fuck my kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, his dad, has, his dad has money. The mixed girl is a benefactor. What is with season two, seasons three and four, and then making villains out of these kids' classmates? That's you really don't really talk about. Question. Y'all don't talk about these Beacon Hill students enough for them to constantly be the classmates. Okay, I get it. When Jackson was the Canama. That kind of made sense because he'd been incorporated in the show since season one. But then we find out that the Kanama doesn't even control itself. It has its a master, the kid we'd never met before, Matt. Right? Right. And now this other girl we've never met before, she's like the villain. I, I mean, great use of incorporating your auxiliary background characters, but also what? <laughs> no, yeah, that's like another big tonal shift from I think the first three seasons to season four. Uh, you start in season four, you start having all these things where it's like the whole time the school was like this underground tomb for this like magical thing. And I was like, 
what? <laughs> um, yeah. Which I guess makes sense if, like, Derek, uh, Hale, and his family were, like, genetic werewolves and they've always lived in this town or whatever. But it, I don't know. I think there's a better way that that could have been achieved of feeling like every there there is something mystical or, like, supernatural going on in, in every aspect of this town. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. That would make so much more sense. Now, I'll admit, when I first saw season four, I actually fucked with this idea of something happening beneath the school because the first high school that I attended, North Miami Beach Senior High School, go Chargers, there was a bomb shelter underneath our school. There was a mall across the street from the school, like literally across the street, you're at the mall, and the bomb shelter extended from the basement of the high school to the basement of the mall. So I like the idea because I constantly used to fantasize about what was down there. (laughs) (laughs) But because we never got a chance to go, no bombs are dropped. Um, You know, I guess that's a I guess that's a good thing looking back that we never had to visit the bomb shelter. But I like this idea of something foundational, literally foundational to a building or an institution holding all these sorts of mysteries. This is something else that I felt would have been better incorporated in season two. Yeah. You know, it was just a little, another little, too little, too late. It's not a bad idea at all. Not as, it's not as off the wall as some of the things we're going to be dealing with in season four. So the benefactor is this little, this biracial girl, this biracial girl with 4C hair who the hair and makeup department did not know what to do with her hair. I I, that hurts me, but we're moving. I'm moving. I don't want to talk about it. She feels remorse, I guess. Like after Lydia's like, why are you killing people? That sucks. And she's like, oh gosh, what have I done? So I didn't even feel like it was a satisfying sort of resolution to that storyline, but whatever. It wasn't satisfying whatsoever. And Meredith is someone who's portrayed before and after as having a great sense of self and a good moral compass. So afterwards, when we as we get to know her more, what her being the benefactor makes less and less sense. <laughs> yeah. Like it it just literally makes no sense to no me. Sense. Um but I mean the Meredith character is interesting, I guess. I think the actress does a pretty good job with the character actually. I same. I thought the actress did a really good job for what she was given i thought she really put her whole self into it and i was impressed so after the benefactor plot there something that was introduced at the beginning of season four was this whole uh berserker like old mystical bone wolf monster thing (laughs) so much i'm sorry but it's ridiculous just hearing you say (laughs) i i I'm not going to lie. A part of me was like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Like, I was watching and I was like, I'm not, my brain is tired trying to comprehend, like, what this is. Um, Basically, Peter has positioned himself as an ally. But, of course, Peter is evil. So, the whole thing is that Peter and Kate are working together to make Scott one of these, uh, berserker bone monster killer thingies um so that he so that they can finally i don't know kill him kill scott it's very convoluted and what sense does that make like again what has scott ever done to this dude or kate for that matter right it's like you're 
<laughs> your beef is not with me. Like, I understand them trying to get at Derek. I mean, I guess they do because Derek's losing his powers or whatever. Although that right. will flip in the end. But it's like, okay, so now Derek's losing his powers. What else do y'all want? Go home. Go do something else. Go find something there, else to do. There's such a deep jealousy and insecurity um, concerning the Scott McCall character with pretty much anyone who is not his moral equal. Now, this is something that I actually actually see that the show does. I'm not sure how intentional it is, but it's something that they keep doing to reinforce Scott's humanity and morality, and it's actually something that's done very well. The first person we meet who's like this is Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. Very intimidated and very put off by Scott because he knows he's a shit person. And Scott's goodness makes people feel some type of way about the fact that they're terrible people. (laughs) 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 Like, and I'm sorry, like, you feel bad about it, but, like, you too had choices. You still have a choice. You're just choosing the wrong every time. Right. And I will say that, like, I, that is in my notes. So when Scott becomes this bone berserker thing, uh, Peter and Kate unleash bone berserker Scott onto his friends. And with an emphasis on... Kira, and through the power of nothing but a good heart and love for his friends and and a strong moral center, Scott overcomes the ritual of the berserker and the power of the berserker, and he comes back to himself again. Um, Which I was like, this is, is, I was like, I actually, I'm... I if young boys are watching this show, which I'm sh- which I'm sure they are, because it's full of like blood and guts and like stabby things and scary stuff. I think this is a good message to send to them. I like it. It's a great message, and it's something that I've you and I have discussed. So like we talked about shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, where you have this. You know, Buffy is a lot like Scott, right? Like, she made some mistakes here and there, childish things. But she's not a bad person. She would never, like... Like, she has a very strong moral compass of what's, like, right and what's wrong and what's, like, inexcusable, right? And she'll always do the right thing. And so many of these shows, we see these characters get punished. I mean, Buffy was punished brutally for having sex with Angel, right? Mm -hmm. Cordelia was punished for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Joss Whedon. Um... But we have male characters on other shows do horrible things and everyone rallies besides them and and gives them other chances. See the TVD universe, right? Scott's not like that. He is our long-suffering hero who doesn't get to do the wrong thing and then say sorry later. He is treated like so many of these female protagonists and I think that's why he's so enjoyable to watch. Right. I agree with that. Like, I'm so, I'm just, I just, like, we we stand in a, a king with accountability. That's all I'm going to say. I love it. I love the way he's written. Very, just good. Scott McCall reminds me a lot of the Peter Parker character, which is, like, an, probably the other, only other hero I can think of who has this, this personality set where I'm going to sacrifice certain things that I want for the good of other people. Because we never ask him, we never ask a man to really do that. That's true. So by the end of the season, like we said, Scott overcomes the power of the berserker and Derek gets dead, but he's not really dead. He was really just evolving and he levels up to full wolf or something. 
Right. Like he was like, he was in his cocoon, essentially. Young Derek was the cocoon and now he's a butterfly. <laughs> yeah. And he's a butterfly. And then Peter is locked up in an insane asylum for werewolves and other supernatural creatures called the Eichenhaus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was an interesting shift because usually when they do things like this and they do put you like in a, in a sanitarium, like I remember um, the really popular one from Smallville, Belle Reve, or they call it Belle Reve. Yes. Um, th- like there were lots of supernatural people in there, but that's not what it was for. That's <laughs> not what it was for. <laughs> the fact that they're calling it out, like they know what you are and they're putting you in this place was a really interesting concept to me. That's where we end our season. So um, season four, good, bad, or basic. I'm going to give season four a good minus. It got a lot of things right. And it was certainly was much better than season three. <laughs> what about you? I'm giving it a basic plus. <laughs> All right. Our favorite cable package. Basic favorite, plus. Cable, favorite cable package. I'm giving it a basic plus, And that's, that's where it sits for me. I will yeah. say this is probably the, the last season that... Um, held my interest completely. If I if I forget certain major plot themes in seasons five and six, it's because I was bored. Um, <laughs> so let's jump into season five. Twenty episodes. It was split into ten and ten. Um, there was like a mid season finale. Everyone's a senior, but Liam. Everyone but Liam and his love interests are seniors this year. I love and- how they mysteriously skipped junior year. <laughs> Somewhere they get upgraded to seniors by the principal. And I was like, oh, so we're just, junior year was just not a thing. And I remember that was like personally offensive to me because junior year is when I killed myself with like PSATs and I wanted to see them kill themselves with SATs and I didn't appreciate it. Yeah, junior year was a hard year for me because I took a bunch of AP courses. And junior year is the hardest for a lot of people, right? I would have liked to say, but you know what I think they did? I think they realized how long those previous seasons felt, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. we got to make them seniors, you guys. We got to make them seniors. You got to make them seniors. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. Um, but anyway, season, season, season five. So Dylan Sprayberry, who plays Liam, um, he, be, he gets promoted to series regular this season. Um, which is good, overdue. Um, he really, he deserved that. Arden Cho, who plays Kira, and Malia, uh, Shelly Hennig, who plays Malia, Peter's daughter, they're all series regulars at this point as well. All good things. Now, it says that at the end of season four, Derek had left with Chris to hunt down Kate, but really Tyler Hawkland just left the show to pursue film roles, but he's not there anymore. Derek's not there anymore. He's not on the show. So the show's really being carried by Tyler Posey, and we feel that shift as he's carrying more on his back. Most of these people are new to this game. The only people that we have from the, you know, the OG crew are Scott, Styles, and Lydia. Right. Right. It was fine, but I was also just sort of like, why are all these new people here? Right. And why did we kill off so many old people? I understand season three was trying to needed to kill off the Allison character because Crystal Reed wanted off the show. But I really feel like Characters like Erica and Boyd and even Isaac could have had huge character arcs and went on to be of great importance on the show. I do think it was funny that Crystal Reed got Allison was killed off in the in season three, only to come back this season in season five. <laughs> it's like why? Listen, 
when you re- when you go out into that job market and find out that it's not that easy to get a higher uh, an acting gig, um, that happens. In a, it's real in these streets. No, it is. It's really real in these streets. Um, so so let's let's go season five. So season five, we pick up with Lydia in this uh, insane asylum, and she is, you know catatonic due to her sort of banshee-ness and she makes she tries to make an escape from this Iken house with her with some cool new banshee powers and uh, it doesn't work she fails um really quickly am I the only person who thinks it's a little bit like to have the redhead be a banshee house like because she's like it's irish <laughs> no no because um you know how there's always like that stereotype that redheads have a bad temper and they're always like nagging and shouting oh i didn't know that was a thing <laughs> yeah that's a thing okay never mind reading too much into it go on <laughs> <laughs> um so she has some and she and she gets she gets got and she's taken back into the asylum and um that's where we that's where we are that's where we are. Now we meet a couple of new characters. Again, just because it's a supernatural entity and there's like a folklore on it doesn't mean that it needs to be a part of every show. Um, so I wrote in my notes. This season is so fucking much period. O M it is period. It is. It is. And it is. Um, we have the dread doctors and we have the surgeon who um, basically they create supernatural abominations. So they try to create things like banshees and werewolves and were jaguars and whatever else using serum injections. For what purpose? We're never really informed. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. Like, don't ask me. I really, truly am not sure. Like, why? And I watched like, the whole season, and I can't Chaos and disorder are the only reasons I can think of, because we're never it's never really explained to us. We also meet a blast from the past. Not our past, the viewer's past, but Styles and Scott's past. They had an old friend named Theo who switched schools, but now he switched back. He's at Beacon Hills High, and he's a werewolf. He's heard that Scott, that Scott is an alpha, and he's here to join his pack. Styles rightfully is like Theo's the op and we can't trust this bitch. And Scott and that's what that's that's what Styles is on. And he was right. But Scott is like, no, Styles, that's mean. Like you should trust people. Like, don't right. do that. I know I'm always saying that Styles is the willow to Scott's Buffy. And in a lot of respects it's true, but Buffy's not this fucking naive. Right, Buffy would never. Scott is, Scott, as far as much as Scott's been through, he's very naive and trusting to a fault. And this was cute in season one. It's not cute anymore. It's not cute anymore. I need you to, <laughs> need you to level up, Scott. Level up, like grow that, grow that, grow a little bit of a callus on that skin, because this is not okay. Yeah, so he has a bunch of of beta wolves trying to like join the winning team, but they can't trust this kid Theo. They really can't. Um, we also, B- Malia's biological mom, the desert wolf is a thing. So apparently she knew what Peter was because she's something similar. Um, the oh. coyote, AKA the desert wolf. So she comes from two supernatural entities. Um, her mom's like a shapeshifter coyote 
uh, you know, he's a werewolf. I guess I was a, I guess I was like a good match on paper anyway. I guess the mom <laughs> didn't know what Peter was <laughs> as far as like what type of integrity, what type of character he had. But she's searching for her mom with the intent to kill her for reasons. I don't know why she wants to kill her bio mom so badly. I really don't get it. I oh, no, no, no. It was something like she blamed them for her adoptive family. She blamed the mom for her adoptive family's death, right? That sounds correct. Okay. Yeah. So something along that line happened. Deaton, Dr. Deaton, the veterinarian, is more fully integrated into the plot in season three. Again, we're bringing back those old people, we're bringing back our day ones, and we're giving them more work, more responsibility. I like it. Always I mess a good with instinct. It. Always a good instinct because they were doing the absolute most. Um, um, something is going on with Kira. Her because okay, so the dread doctors like kidnap people and then like erase your memory that like they've kidnapped you or they've right. done weird Nobody stuff. Nobody remembers to you. you anymore. Yeah, yeah. The that's part of the serum. The serum like makes you like lose time. The dread doctors do something to Kira. They like clap her up and after they do something her like kitsune force is like um losing control or it's not losing she's not losing control but it's it's taking over her in a way that is bad right um because this is what happens when you use those serums on someone who actually has a supernatural ability to begin with They've basically um, given her, I guess, some sort of supernatural steroid. It's really messing with her. We have other characters. Like, we have Tracy, who's out here killing her family. Um, the Hayden character, who's Liam's love interest, discovers that... Um, um, Lydia discovers, or Liam discovers that Hayden is a chimera now because of the Dread Doctors. Um, they're just experimenting on anyone and everyone they can get their hands on. And the students at Beacon Hills are like their ground zero laboratory. Okay, sure, I guess. Why not? The Corey character is also Chimera now. Uh, Melissa McCall and Sheriff Selinsky discover that the, all the Chimeras are people who who'd previously received organ transplants. So they're not like being hunted willy nilly. There's a purpose, but we still don't know what the purpose is. There's so much happening. There's so, so much happening this season. So like um, the logic is that if you are an organ transplant recipient, then you're, you are like this, like created, you're already technically a chimera, right? You have two different people's DNA in your body at this point. And that's who they're choosing to give this injection to. I guess the logic is that if you could survive an organ transplant, because sometimes they do reject, then you can survive this serum. Bottoms up, I get. Like, for reasons. <laughs> so the show, like, basically transitions to this, I guess with the introduction of this Eichenhaus in, in the beginning of the season, it makes sense that they're exploring these more, like, psychological horrors in season five. There's an episode where... They're all that like due to some sort of like dread doctor thing. They're they all start like reliving past memories that they've like buried, like that are horrifying to them. Like uh, Styles remembers the night that his mother tried to like kill herself, even ho more horribly, like kill herself and name him as like the reason. And it's interesting because it feels like the show is reaching for something bigger. Like it's, it's really trying to elevate itself in terms of theme and what it's thinking about thematically. 
it's extremely ambitious, but it's clunky and it it doesn't ever do anything substantial. Right. And I, I got that tonal shift. There were several tonal shifts from season one through season six, right? Not all of them were good, but the ones that were good, they were not all attainable. You don't have the foundation to be doing what you're doing. Right. You know? Um, and, and, it, and it shows. You it feel shows. it in you the material. Um, and it's unfortunate because I feel like the way the series started off in season one they could have kept that formula and ridden that all the way to the bank. And also what they were trying to do in season five, if it had actually sat that sat down and planned that out and paced that out, that could have also been, you know, a really prosperous season one and, you know, tone show tone. Right. Right. But you're trying to do two different things right now. And one of them is too little too late. Exactly. And I'm not saying it's not that they could have never gotten to that place because I do think that is interesting thinking about maybe something each, like maybe after season one, each season thinking about something big thematically and then exploring it through, you know, gore, like, and then exploring it through different types of horror, right? That it, That is mm-hmm. like really interesting to me. Like, so you could do psychological horror, you could do like gore, you could do, there are, all sorts of different types of horrors, like, and you go through it, you, there could be like a surrealist element to that. I think we see more of that, like in the final season. Um, but you have to be really specific with those references. I mean, you've got to be, you've got to be so specific. I think you have to be very meticulous. I think you have to really plan it out. And that's not what happened here, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> Planning, 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 people. It's so important. Guess who else is back this season? Allison's grandfather, Gerard. <laughs> Girl, everybody back this season. <laughs> I saw and him and I was like, what are you doing here? Ain't this nigga dead? Um, that was literally my first thought. Um, <laughs> but uh, he reveals that one of the beasts that they're looking for is a beast of Givaudan. And Allison comes back, not as Allison, um, Crystal Reed comes back to play like an ancestor of Allison's. Who was right. a hunter? That episode um, very much felt like somebody was trying to pitch like a spinoff. Yeah, yeah, it did. Like, no lie, that had spinoff vibes all over it. All over it. Somebody was trying to low key like shoehorn in like a uh, a backdoor pilot, and like like they were actively in the midst of pitching it to MTV, and they're like, "Hey, Crystal." Here's your own show. You'll have your own show. It'll be a spinoff. And you'll be like the lead. And you'll be in You can be in your 20s. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be your... Yeah, you'll be in your 20s and in France. And you're fighting werewolves. Isn't that so fun? Which, that's not like a bad idea. Because like, they're, it, like they're, that's like a real... So that's like a real historical thing. Uh, in Cologne in the 1500s, there was mm-hmm. like werewolf trials... Um, because there were a pack of wolves, there were just wo- regular wolves that were murdering a lot of people in the French countryside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was getting to be like a problem because like it was an overpopulation. And the problem got so bad that people thought there were actual werewolves. And they started wow. like conducting werewolf trials. <laughs> so that's actually a really smart idea for a spinoff for Teen Wolf. But um it was not executed well. That episode was not good. 
Yeah, the, the episode wasn't executed well because, again, it clearly was not planned. You didn't plan to have this girl back on the show, and Crystal Reed never planned to come back to the show, even in a guest role. Right. We know this. We know this. You promised her that maybe she'd get her own show. And yeah, and then she came back because it's hard, it's hard out here. Auditioning is hard out here. Then we have like the skinwalker situation. Oh. It's so much. This didn't need to be, this could have, y'all could have really stretched out all of these themes over the course of three seasons even. So let me, let me speak on this skinwalkers thing for a minute. Mm. Let me, let me speak on it. So Jeff da- Davis alleges that he spoke to Navajo people about the Skinwalkers plotline. And they're like, yeah, girl, it's chill. The Navajo people have since said, nah, we didn't say that. But Navajo people keep telling y'all to stop putting Skinwalkers and that stuff in your, to stop using it in pop culture stuff. And I wish y'all would listen. Like, please. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with y'all? Like, honestly. Like, yeah, they keep saying to stop doing it and y'all don't don't want to stop that. And I need to understand why I don't I don't get it, because whatever you believe, it doesn't really matter. The point is that Skinwalkers is a really real thing to that people. It is a really real thing to them. It is a really real belief. And if they ask you to stop doing that, why can't you just stop doing that? Questions that need answers. Why can't you just stop? <laughs> Why can't you just stop? And um, and it's really, and then not only that, like it's it's because I did like a lot of just previously, because I was because I had heard that like a lot of Navajo people like really don't fuck with whenever people bring up skinwalkers and like whatever sort of they don't fuck with like when white people do that, like in whatever sort of genre show they do it. And like a lot of genre shows always go to skinwalkers. Um, there are so many, but so I was trying to read up on like, why, why is it? Obviously I don't need to know why, like they said, don't do it. That should be enough. But I like to know things to know things. And it's literally, but like once I started like really reading up on it and like doing it, I was like, oh wow, like why are white people doing this? Because it's like really serious. It's essentially like their version of like in so you know how that girl on Facebook invoked like a demon and then she got got? Mm-hmm. Skinwalker, like skinwalkers is the same thing, except like Navajo. Like you are literally invoking evil spirits. Like Navajo people don't even utter like the 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 Navajo word for skinwalkers because just uttering the word, just saying it invokes one like into your space. But you but, know, white people don't respect things like that. <laughs> right. That's is- literally the premise of every <laughs> horror movie. Like there's this book, the pages are glued together. Um, it is bound together with it in chains and then it's put in a garbage bag that's surrounded by barbed wire. You know what I want to do? I want to read that book. Navajo people who've had experience with that, like don't fuck with that. Like that, they just take that shit so fucking seriously. So then the fact that the whole thing is like Kira goes into the desert to then stay with the skinwalkers. Oh God. It really makes no fucking sense. <laughs> like, at all. Uh, uh, at all, at all, at fucking all. 
at all. Um, now, there are a lot of things I don't believe in, but just because I don't believe in something doesn't mean that I'm not going to listen to caution. Because what I've learned about life is that you don't know everything about everything. And just because you think you're smarter than a person or a group of people doesn't necessarily mean that you are. On M's Advice Corner again, everybody you meet knows something that you don't know. That's what I'm going to say about that. that Even if it's a group that you're told is backward or uncivilized or savage or whatever the fuck, they know something you don't know. And um, if, it's, if it's specifically talking about their culture, then you'd be wise to at least heed the warnings. You don't have to believe in something to heed the warnings about it. I don't have to believe that there is a murderer outside. But if someone tells you there's a murderer outside who circles my block at 10 o'clock, I might not want to go out at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not going to risk my life on, and bet my life on the fact that I'm right. <laughs> not that serious. You can just actually listen to people when they tell you things. And the thing about skinwalkers, particularly as how it was utilized on this show, they did something similar on Roswell, right? Right. Which, a mess. I don't, which is why I don't believe that Jeff Davis talked with any Navajo people. I believed he watched Roswell and thought, that's a cool idea. Let's level up on it. And that's what he did. He was like, I oh, believe yeah. he studied Jason, Jason, Jason Kadem's work, another non-Indigenous person, another non-Navajo person, and was like, that worked out pretty well when they did it. Let's try that. Right. Let's just do that. That, that seems fun. Don't. Don't. People take, like, they take it really seriously. It's really serious to them. (laughs) Just don't. And they say don't do it, so don't. And why are we mixing Japanese mythology with with Navajo mythology? Speak on it. Speak on it. Because I was like, if (laughs) Kira... People they never met. If Kira's a kitsune and her kitsune powers are out of control because of the dread doctors, wouldn't her mama just fire her back out to Japan to fix it? Like, wouldn't the Japanese know better? Than some random at like than some indigenous people in the death like make that make sense. Right. You know? what, do, what does the Navajo know about Kitsune? K- That's not their culture. That's <laughs> not their culture. What do they know? What do they know about Japanese foxes? Like nothing. Not a damn thing. Like that's not their expertise. And just because it's a mythology and a folklore that exists doesn't mean you have to utilize it on your show. We get it. It's a supernatural theme show. We've been understood that since season one. <laughs> and you don't like, have to keep throwing this new shit at us. And listen, there are Japanese like shaman traditions. Like, because <laughs> you could have incorporated, like, you could have studied about like Shintoism. You could have done that, but I guess that would have made too much fucking sense. And you would have had to actually, I guess, find some Japanese people. And, that and they could have saved fifty percent or more. They could have saved fifteen percent or more on the budget too, <laughs> if they'd done that. But done you know, that, but... I, makes too much sense. <laughs> and if you're not appropriating, are you even living? You know what? Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, that was a huge space in time between season um, five, part one and season five, part two. I'm actually going to look this up really quickly because I, I thought I had it in my notes and I had not written it down. Um, yeah. So season five, part one ended in August, 2015 and we didn't get part two until January, 2016. So that was a good five months. So I guess watching it on TV, it didn't feel 
as rushed and as forced. But again, watching it in succession, it was overwhelming. Season five was so discombobulated to me. So how does season five end, Em? Season five ends with Gerard finds a spear that Mary Jean used to kill the beast, the beast of Jovedon. Then we find out that the surgeon was Marcel's old friend, Sebastian, and he dies. Kira returns and brings Lydia to the beast. She screams Mason's name, which separates Mason from the beast. Kira leaves the skinwalkers to gain control over her fox spirit. The doctor's final subject, a Nazi alpha werewolf, has escaped from their lab. Did we ask for all this? (laughs) It almost feels like five different shows, and not just from the themes, but from the very serious things that are happening to many characters. Something major is going on with Lydia. Something major is going on with Kira. Something major is going on with Scott. And all of them are kind of fractured. They don't feel like a team. It doesn't feel like they're working as a team to come up with a collective solution to their problem. It's like, we all got problems, bitch. Like, every man for himself. (laughs) Right, right. And then that's how season five ends. So, season five, good, bad, basic. It's so bad. (laughs) Same. What about you? It's it's bad. It's not good. It's not good. A mess. A mess. A mess. Season six is, is is Teen Wolf's final season, and it's another one that's split. It's ten episodes. Uh, it's twenty episodes split into ten and ten. We left off at the the Nazi werewolf, the Nazi alpha werewolf. So he does have the power to turn people. Um, the seasons were split for a pretty long time. This the season six part one ends January of twenty seventeen. And part two doesn't start until July of 2017. So again, a good six, almost seven months going on there. Um, I really feel like that was an obscene amount of time, first of all, for mid-season finale. Um, yeah, because I remember, because I remember like it was a big deal. Like when the show was ending, it was a it was huge. Cause like, cause this really was like a huge hit for MTV. I mean, you had because after season three you start having like wolf talk which was like the after episode talks about the episode about the episode that you just watched and Mm -hmm. it was like a little and it wasn't even like it was like a 10 minute after show it was a 30 minute after show it was on it was the same you probably remember this remember when breaking bad was airing and then breaking bad had after shows yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then they had that on The Walking concept. Dead, too, right? It was like The Talking Dead. Talking Dead, yeah. Well, Teen Wolf was the same thing. So that's how big the show was, that it could justify these um, after shows, like Wolf Talk or whatever, on air. Uh, and people were so excited, and it was just like this huge cultural thing. But, oof, like... Season six was really hard to watch because Dylan O'Brien leaves in season six. Um, he leaves um, in season um, after in season six, part one, right? Mm-hmm. He leaves like we don't see him for the second half of the season. We had the Nazi alpha werewolf, right? Mm-hmm. He escaped the lab. That's supposed to be setting us up for something, right? No, wrong. we wrong. wrong. We never see him again. We never see it again because, like, by it starts with like a whole new mystery thingamajig, right? 
And that's, I feel like that's a huge loose thread to have. It's a oh, Nazi. It's ginormous. And, a and it's a werewolf, and it's been souped up on these Dread Doctor serums, but it's not hurting anybody? It's not causing chaos out here in these streets? Unlikely. Unlikely. But we have something new this season, The Wild Hunt. So the writers of The Wild Hunt basically... They create ghost towns. Now, we know how ghost towns are actually created. Economic distress. They, people move away, and slowly but surely, every, every small business, every local business um, shuts down. All the homes are foreclosed on. Boom, ghost town. That's not Teen Wolf's angle. The Wild Hunt and the riders of the Wild Hunt actually ride through towns, leaving no trace and no memory of the people who they take. And um, they'll take an entire town and there'll be no memory that these people and this entire community ever existed. Uh, second half of senior year, that's what season six is, the second half of senior year. They take styles. And before they take styles, he asked Lydia to remember him. But at first, she only remembers his name. She remembers the name Styles and nothing else. Then um, slowly, after introducing this concept, they do bring back the Nazi alpha werewolf. He's their new teacher, Mr. Douglas. That You could have just stayed with that line. We didn't need the Wild Hunt. The Wild Hunt was really, like, weird to watch. They weren't scary to me. They weren't exciting to watch. Y'all could have just kept the Mr. Douglas line. The Wild Hunt was just... Um, the idea is very present in a lot of genre shows of, like oh, we've erased this pivotal character from this world. What would this world be like without this pivotal character? And um, then we proceed to see that, um, which is what the wild hunt essentially was. And that's always, I mean, but usually it, it's the basis of an episode, not like, it's not the basis of a whole first half of a season. So right. that was like, huh? Um, it was a lot. Yeah, it was. And honestly, I, I understand, but it was mad boring to watch. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like emotional because. So one thing that happened to Teen Wolf in the midst of focusing on these, like on just upping the horror and like, you know, plot, 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 is that the emotional, I think, truth and resonance of the show got lost um, at least for me, it did watching it. Uh, these sort of like, yeah, basically the, like these moments of emotional truth or emotional re resonance got lost for me. Um, and because they're so focused on plot that these interpersonal relationships between these characters have broken down. Like, we don't even get to see the aftermath of like Scott being sad that like Kira never came back. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I completely agree with that. I think that's where season three and seasons, seasons five and six fail us the most. We lose that, that feeling of camaraderie and, and, um, building and, 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 and building relationships and forging real connections with each other. Right. And how these characters have changed or been changed by the events of the plot. Um, in, in really resonant ways. And to me, the wild hunt felt like, oh, a plot. It, it felt like they were trying to 
fix that with just this this plot. Like they felt like, oh, well, if we take away Styles, who is like the last, who was like one of the OG members of this show, everybody's gonna like feel, but like it. But they were trying to use a plot solution to a character problem. If that makes any sense, I agree with that. Um, and now I'm not one to like. I don't think it's always a good idea to put people that were established as potential love interests together, but the show fails its audience in a major way by not really having Lydia and Styles be a couple. I mean, they, they, I mean, something happens between them where they finally acknowledge that they love each other. Right. Right. But yeah, that's true. Like, is it enough? Right. You've literally been building us up for this since season one, episode one. And for what? Like this is this is like the emotional equivalent of blue balls. Um I'm not I don't mess with it. Um, but while they're dealing with the riders of the wild hunt, Mr. Douglas, the Nazi alpha werewolf, is out here eating people's pineal glands for reasons. It's because you can't people. see my face right now. <laughs> Oh, there's so much happening right now. So Styles is gone. Nobody remembers him. Um, but Mason and Corey see the writers abducting a student at the school. And Corey can see them when he turns invisible. However, um, they forget the, ab- the abducted student once he's erased. And what happens is all the students kind of get together to try to protect themselves. All the Beacon Hill students, like, I guess this is a season where we acknowledge this is a weird-ass town and a weird-ass school. Mm-hmm. They try to get together to protect themselves from the wild hunt, and that, like, backfires because since everybody sees them, they're out here trying to erase everybody. There's also, like, Styles' mother is back, but she's, like, a hallucination that his father basically created to cope. The writers of the, the wild hunt give him this, like, the ghost of his wife, right. and she's back so that he'll forget this the sun like he can't even see styles's room that's a whole thing but they go to this town called canaan and the only woman the person who's left is this banshee like lydia and the ghost of her son everybody right. else is gone and the, the the town is frozen in time it's frozen in the 19 1988 Imagine not leaving this ghost town as a as a living person just to hang out with the ghost of your kid. That feels like a lot emotionally. Like but sense. I get it. That feels right, I guess. I don't know if you're like not coping. Yeah, she's clearly not coping, but man, it's been over 20 years. You got to you got to heal from this. Right, you got to heal, babe. <laughs> yeah, you got to heal from this. Um so Lydia, Malia, and Scott try to remember Styles in order to create this rift and get the townspeople of Beacon Hills back because, like, they're the only people left at this point. Um, Scott ends up hypnotizing Lydia, who recalls her first kiss with Styles, and then this helps bring him back and the, uh, the rest of the abducted Beacon Hills residents as well. Um, Gerard is still alive for reasons, and the FBI, because of all the shady and homicidal shit that has happened around him, they are now pursuing Derek. It's really not his fault. Like, he really just be in the bad family, in the bad place at the bad time. Um, But they're pursuing Derek because on paper, he really does look like a serial killer. He does. That's legit. Like, I get it. It makes sense. Season six feels like people trying to string things together 
in an effort to keep you caring. Yeah, it feels like they're trying to up, they're trying to up the ante, up the ante for like, you know, this big series finale. Instead of emo instead of like I feel something emotionally, I, I just really feel exhausted, honestly, by the end. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Um, same. I feel tired. Um, but anyway, Dylan O'Brien leaves at, after the first half of season six to pursue bigger and better things. He was, you know, in the Maze Runner series. While I can say that the Colton Haynes's departure threw off season three, I can't say that about Teen Wolf season six. This show had gone off the rails long before Dylan O'Brien left. Yeah, like I said, I think the biggest problem that happened is that they forgot... They got too overly focused on plot. And the thing is, they made us fall in love with Scott McCall and Stas Delinsky and Allison Argent and, and Lydia and even Jackson. By the time Jackson becomes a werewolf and he sheds the Kanama, he's gone through so much. Like, we're, we're right there with him, right? We care about these people. Mm-hmm. Do we care about all these new people that they introduce and all these new situations that were completely um, extraneous and and really unnecessary and irrelevant at times? No. No. We don't care anymore. Um, so, season six, good, bad, or basic? Bad. Yeah, um, I'm going to give season six a bad as well. Probably not as bad as season five. I still think season five might be the worst season. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it, they're neck and neck. They're like, season five wins worst season by a nose. Um, um, yeah. It's 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 just not good, you guys. It's not good. I wish it were better. I wish that the promises made in seasons one and two were fulfilled, but they weren't. But they weren't. Not at all. Um, and that's... Yeah, I... And it sucks. It just sucks. Because, yeah, there was so much promise for this show. I think it, it just had an amazing start. And granted, there were... You know, they do have these hiccups with um Allison and what's her face but ultimately I think they I don't think that they were so big that they couldn't overcome it so for me it's I don't know it yeah that's just what it is right I thought like hey so remember the pack of alphas that we meet in season three I thought that was a great way to transition off the fact that Jackson was gone right especially with the twins who were attending their school Mm-hmm. I thought this was, they were great characters to like fill in and then eventually join the core cast. I thought they had a lot to offer. Um, and the show was still kind of funny then still too, right? And they right. added like a, a great humor to the show, I felt. And then Allison's death being filled by Kira, I liked the Kira character, but I don't feel like Alice, like she should have been the new love interest simply because she was supernatural. Um mm. I would have liked a love interest that was just like a regular ass girl or maybe um, Scott going the Buffy route and deciding that dating isn't really for him (laughs) and (laughs) keeping our boy Scott McCall single, I think would have been like a really cool idea as well. Um, But like you said, there were ways to overcome losing the Jackson character and losing the Allison character. There were ways around this, um, but I feel like they the show decided to fill in the space of these people that we came to love with just these really like over the top plots that they thought we would like. Yeah, that I mean, ultimately, ha- that didn't have any meaning, and and 
the characters were not changed by them. So, I mean, for me, if the characters are not reacting to these situations or if they're not changed or or growing from these big plot things that are, that are happening, it's ultimately hollow. Agreed. Agreed. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the last three seasons of Teen Wolf good, bad, basic, and exciting. If you'd like to check out the series, Teen Wolf is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our Teen Wolf Spotify playlist if you haven't already. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be discussing the first three seasons of the HBO fantasy horror drama, True Blood. If you'd like to catch up on this series before then, True Blood is currently streaming on HBO Max. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good bad basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone.